For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be previewing Syracuse's final regular season game against Boston College, and we'll be talking about a win for the Orange out in Maui. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Steck-Schulte, and our guest today is Boston College blogger Bill Maloney from ATLEagle.com. Bill, thanks so much for being on today. Glad to be with you guys. Bill, I want to get you started on this one. You know, at the beginning of the season, a lot of the ACC prognosticators had Boston College and Syracuse, but specifically Boston College, at the bottom of all their predictions. This has to be a surprise season for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, I think the season's gone better than most anticipated, but it's not a total surprise. I think the schedule was somewhat favorable, and I think the remaining talent was from last year's team was decent. I, so I think a lot of BC fans thought about six wins. Seven wins is obviously, obviously is, is exceeding that, but uh, the team really underachieved under former coach Frank Speziani. So it's fair to say that you guys are very happy with the job that Steve Adazio's done, right? I think so. I think he, he's winning over doubters every week. Uh, a lot of fans were somewhat skeptical uh, based on how his final season in Temple went and, uh, you know, were hesitant to embrace him because he was so over the top in his kind of rah-rah <laughs> attitude. People didn't know if it was legitimate or not, but I think now people are buying in. Now, how crazy was the Boston College fan base? I mean, that, was, that Maryland game, uh, you know, it was, it was exciting. It was back and forth. You win on uh, initially Nate Freeze misses that field goal, and then he hits it after the timeout to Freeze. I mean, it was just a wild game back and forth. It was. It was certainly memorable. Maryland's final uh, ACC game against BC, so it was a nice to send them off with a loss. And it, it's, it's kind of encapsulated how – uh, unexpected BC season has been. I mean, there aren't many teams in the country that when they're down 11 in the fourth quarter, purposely keep the ball on the ground and purposely run, <laughs> you know, between the tackles. I mean, that is our two-minute drill, but it's effective. And, uh, you know, the team's been doing just enough to win a lot of these games. Now, you just talked about the running game. Obviously, the big name is Andre Williams, and he's, is, he's a legitimate Heisman contender at this point, I would think, rushing for 2,000-plus uh, yards. Uh, how good has he been, and do you expect him to be called into New York uh, for the Heisman ceremony? Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I wouldn't have expected him to get to New York. I think now he's probably going to. There's enough media support, and I think enough of the other front runners have kind of faltered or have lingering issues, especially with uh, James Winston, no one knowing uh, if or when he might be charged with uh, sexual assault. I think that kind of opens the door for an outside candidate like Williams, and I think he's um, potentially going to get invited to New York, and who knows how, depending on the Syracuse games, he might, if the game plays out, he might win it. Now, what makes Andre Williams so good? We know that 
we know the numbers. We've seen the Heisman hype. But what specifically about Andre Williams makes him such a legitimate threat? It, it's not uh, particularly fancy. And if Syracuse fans remember four years ago when BC last played at the Carrier Dome, he carried the ball a ridiculous amount of times in that game as well. And he's not um, a, a Barry Sanders type that's going to kind of dart around people. He's not he doesn't, his breakaway speed isn't all that great. He just pounds you, and he'll break tackles and uh, you know run over two or three guys. And then sometimes after he ran over two or three guys, he has daylight to the end zone. So that's really his style. It's not pretty. It's not um, unique. In the, well, it's unique in the sense of the power he brings, but it's not like BC is doing anything that's new to football. It's just old school run the guy over and head to daylight. Now, we talked a lot about your offense, obviously, with Andre Williams stealing the show a little bit, but your defense has also been very solid this season, kind of missing the headlines with all of this Andre Williams hype. Can you tell us a little bit about the style of defense that BC plays? The defense has probably been um, almost uh, overplayed and overtalked. I think statistically the numbers are okay. They're not great. But it's such a style, drastic style change from previous BC teams that I think people feel like the defense is maybe better than it is. It's very aggressive, it's blitz heavy, and it's um, uh, BC will show a lot of different fronts to Syracuse this week. You know, you see some situations where it's a base four three, some where they're just two down linemen and kind of. Seven guys huddling in a line. They'll fake a lot of blitzes, little blitz from the corner. So I think because there's so many looks and because it's um, so different from what BC's done in the past, it feels like the defense is a bigger improvement than it's been. Where the issue with the defense is, is high risk, high reward. So they'll, they'll get a lot of big plays, they'll get some sacks, but they're also going to leave the, the secondary somewhat vulnerable. Actually sounds a lot like the Syracuse defense. Uh, Bill, we'll get you out of here on this one. Your predictions for the game this Saturday? I think it's going to be more of the same for BC now. There's there's quite a playbook. I think um, they're going to give it to Williams probably 30-plus times and uh, you know hope that he breaks some big gains and he'll probably run for 200-plus yards. And I see BC winning somewhere in the neighborhood of like 27-14. Okay. Bill, thanks so much for being our guest today. Again, Boston College blogger Bill Maloney at ATLEagle.com. Bill, thanks so much. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Interesting to see how Syracuse contains Andre Williams if they can. But anyway, we're going to switch from football to basketball. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Stekschulte. Jim, how are you holding up in frigid Syracuse? I'm uh, doing okay, Wes. Actually got new tires on the car today because, as I found out the hard way, Sliding down your driveway, probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> well, we're glad that you got new tires then. Uh, Jim, let's talk a little bit of basketball. Um, a little bit warmer out in Maui, obviously, and they defeated Minnesota in the quarterfinals last night. Really seemed like that defense played well in the second half, generated a lot of turnovers, and that's what allowed Syracuse to edge a very solid Minnesota team. Yeah, the defense played well in, in a couple different stretches last night. Uh, obviously, the opening minutes of the game as well, and then the opening minutes of the second half. But what I was really most impressed by was the last five minutes of the game. Uh, there was a five-minute stretch. Syracuse didn't allow Minnesota a field goal until they got that meaningless layup uh, in the final seconds, and that's when, obviously, the Orange put them away. Um, it's not Everything's not perfect on defense, obviously. Uh, the three-point shooting 
by that's been allowed this year is a little a uh, little shaky. Uh, Syracuse is giving up almost 38 percent of the season. A little bit of that is some fluke halves. You know, uh, Fordham had a nine threes and a half. Cornell had seven. Uh, Minnesota had six and a half last night. Um, but I mean, part of that is also the way the defense is structured. Uh, literally half the shots that Syracuse has given up this season have been beyond the arc. Um, but all in all, the big saving grace uh, that I see is uh, is the defense is still forcing turnovers at an impressive, impressive rate. Uh, the turnover margin, Syracuse is uh, plus 7.2 per game this year, and they forced 17 turnovers or more every time out other than the St. Francis game. Uh, and that was a lower possession game. That was a lot of walking up. And it's a lot of steals that get turned into uh, get turned into cheap points for the Orange so it's that defense feeding the offense that we saw a lot last year as well. Now, we can't forget about C.J. Fair's performance. He was elbowed square in the face on a dunk. I have no idea how they didn't blow the whistle on that, but he only had four points at that point. Turns out that elbow woke him up a little bit, and he finished with 16 points and 10 rebounds. Looked a lot more active in the second half, and I think that's the C.J. Fair that Syracuse fans really need to see if they want to continue to be successful. Yeah, that was just a vicious, vicious shot he took. I mean... I, it, it looked more, that cut looked more like something you'd see uh, in a boxing, boxing match, match or, an, or yeah. the squirts, or you know the MMA or something like that. <laughs> but um, uh, the color commentary last night, Jimmy Dykes, uh, he mentioned that it seemed to uh, to wake up Fair. Uh, but the, you know when he was commenting about how Fair just walked away from it and didn't you know didn't get back in a player's face or anything, he was just kind of like he, you know Fair looked a little bit like he couldn't believe what had happened, and then it was and then he had a little bit of look like you know oh so that's how it's going to be, and then. Uh, <laughs> And then he uh, he amped up his game to uh, to get his revenge and uh, and fight back, if you will. And he actually hit that big shot. You know, uh, Minnesota had pulled within two. Looked like they had all their momentum going their way. And then CJ almost had the ball stolen, but then dribbles to that elbow, pops that left-handed jumper, kind of ended that run there. And I, I thought that was big. And you know, and I, speaking of the front line, though, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the centers. You know, Daywan Coleman. He's been a little bit of a defensive liability over time, but I liked how he attacked the basket each time. Very aggressive, nine points, four rebounds. It really seems like Daywan Coleman's coming to it in, into his own on offense. Yeah, Daywan uh, Daywan feeds off the offensive rebounding, and I mean actually that's that's been one of the strengths so far this season for the team. Um, I think not just Coleman, but a couple of the other guys like Christmas, and you know even to a little bit even like Jeremy Grant. They I think they've realized that if they want to score, they're going to have to. They're going to have to chase down the ball when it comes off the backboard. Um, all three of the centers and Grant, and this is just a statistical fluke that obviously is not going to hold up, but all four of those guys have more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds on the, on the season, which is just, is just crazy. And I think part of uh, last night, the way they play, the reason why they played so well, um, I, I think that impromptu dunk competition was, uh, was, from the go, was from the Gophers playing a 2-3 zone. And I think the guys, the guys up front, you know, when they started getting, you know, those rebounds and putting them back and coming in on weak side, you know, weak side uh, rebounding opportunities for, for putback dunks and stuff, I, I think they realized, oh, right, this is what happens when we have problems boxing out in the zone. And that's, you know, so they got to, uh, it was kind of like, you know, they got to see this is what, this is wh what happens when things go wrong for us on defense and rebounding. And then they decided, well, we can exploit that. And they just, you know, use their athleticism. I mean, there was. I, it seemed like any time an SU guy came up with the ball under the bucket, he was either dunking it through the rim or getting fouled and going to the line. Now let's end off on Trevor Cooney. He buried five three-pointers, and he, he struggled last year, 27% from downtown. This is a new year, and Trevor Cooney looks like a new player. I mean, he, he's a lot more confident. He's driving to the hole. He's making plays around the basket, but he's obviously got a lot of confidence in that, in that shot right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard for it would be hard for him to not be confident right now. Uh, he's got 15 of, of the team's 26 threes so far in the year, and it seems like when he gets it going, particularly if he gets it going early, I mean, he's going to be you know un, almost unstoppable until he stops himself. I mean, five threes last night, four in the thir- four in the first half. He had seven in the opener. I mean, that's most of his work right there on the season from beyond the arc. And I mean, the team desperately needs him. Um, the rest of the roster is shooting under 24 percent from beyond the arc this year. And out of the 11 threes, everyone not named Trevor Cooney has hit this year. Four of them came from Ennis against Colgate. So Cooney is clearly the number one option outside the arc of the team this year. I mean, as evidence, with we go back to the St. Francis game again, uh, late in the second half when the offense was struggling, uh, Beheim subbed him in, and immediately, I mean, he basically – you know, ran 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 from the bench to the scores table. As soon as he <laughs> ran on the floor, he was running up a screen for a three. So he's a big part of uh, getting the offense going, especially when it's uh, when it's stagnant. So Syracuse will play Cal in the semifinals of the Maui later tonight, seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time, ESPN or ESPN two. Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about Tyler Ennis. We haven't talked. We didn't talk about him today. We spoke about him before. Um, and, you know, he's up and down. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling down on him for the way he's shooting so far, and I'm sure no one feels worse about it than Ennis himself. He's 25% from the field. Uh, he had a couple, you know, big free throws that he missed against St. Francis. So, obviously, the stroke is a concern, but I, I think we should also take, take the whole picture uh, when we try to, you know, form a thought of an opinion about how we feel about Tyler Ennis. Five games. He has six turnovers. He's gotten 13 steals. And he's you know, he's 76 percent of the line on the season. That includes those two misses against St. Francis. And last night he had a couple big plays late in the game, a couple steals, and that uh, you know would convert into points for the Orange. And he also had uh, one. He secured that loose ball sliding across the floor on his stomach, and then rolling it to Cooney for the Orange to get a, a big possession in the waning minutes. So, you know, yeah, he, the shooting, you know, the shooting's not there right now. But he's doing a lot of the you know the little things that barely you know they make it in the box score. They don't make any mention at all, but. He's doing plays. He's making plays that are helping this team win, and you know we we need to keep that in mind as he, you know, if he has as he continues to work on his shot and hopefully improve. Once that teardrop shot starts falling, he's going to be an absolute stud in terms of the scoring. He has everything else there, and he's doing a very solid job for a true freshman. Uh, my closing thoughts are on Carmelo Anthony and the three and ten Knicks who have now lost six in a row after getting beat up by Portland last night on the first game of their West Coast swing. Kobe Bryant signed a two-year extension with the Lakers yesterday, all but assuring that Carmelo will be with the Knicks for the foreseeable future. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing for him. I hope the Knicks turn it around soon for the Syracuse alum. That's it for us. For Jim Steck-Schulte, this is Wes Chang reminding you that just once I'd like someone to call me sir without adding, you're making a scene. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, 
you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.